Please turn with me in your Bibles now to Acts chapter 17. This morning we pick up to consider verses 10 through 15. And in our text today, there are two contrasts made between the Bereans and the Thessalonians. One in, is in terms of how the Bereans heard versus the Thessalonians. The other in terms of what then followed or what happened. There's a contrast that happens there as well. You remember last week that Paul preached in Thessalonica. And the text told us then that some of the Jews believed. They joined Paul and Silas. And yet, then there was this great uh, uprising. Many of the Jews were jealous, and they went and joined with men of the rabble and came after Paul and Silas. And we pick up now in verse 10 with Paul and Silas having been sent away by night. They come to Berea. They continue with their custom of opening the word of God. And we're going to consider the contrast that the text sets before us regarding the reception of God's word. So let's give our careful attention to the Word of God. Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 15. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the Word with all eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Amen. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy from 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all patience and teaching. Why did Paul make this charge to Timothy? Why was Paul so adamant that Timothy devote himself to the preaching of God's word? Well, to answer those questions, let's examine three passages very briefly this morning to see what they say about preaching. Listen first to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. In this chapter, Paul is talking about the preaching of the gospel. And there Paul writes that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. This means that God has appointed the preaching of his word for the giving and the encouraging, the sustaining of our faith. Next, listen to Galatians chapter 3, verses 2 and 5. There Paul writes, asking two questions. He says, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you do so 
by works of the law or by hearing with faith. There Paul is asking rhetorical questions. The answer is obvious. These Galatians received the Spirit and were blessed with the Spirit, not through works of the law, but rather through the preaching of the Word. Well, then finally, listen to what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. He says, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Did you catch what Paul, or Peter rather, was saying in his epistle? He is saying that it was through the preaching of God's word that this spiritual life that the believers had was first given and also sustained. And so when we put these three passages together, we have the infallible word of God testifying to three amazing truths regarding preaching. Number one, God ordained the preaching of his word to give and to sustain faith. Number two, God ordained the preaching of his word to give and maintain that work of his Holy Spirit. And then number three, God ordained and ordained the preaching of his word to generate and to maintain spiritual life. These are incredible truths regarding the preaching of God's word. And it is God's design to use his word preached powerfully in this way in our lives. And so the question then becomes, how are we to hear the word of God? Since God attaches these things to the preaching and hearing of his word, how can we prepare ourselves and how can we attend to the word of God? Well, that's what our text is about today. Here God's word gives us an important lesson regarding how we are to hear. After setting the context, God's word then makes this intentional contrast regarding two groups and how they heard the word. The first is the Thessalonians, which we considered last week, and now the Bereans this morning. Look at verse 11. It says, now these Jews, speaking about the Jews here in Berea, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They were more noble. Why? What set them apart? And why is God's word turning our attention to this contrast? Well, the text goes on to tell us why. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. You see, the word of God turns our attention to that comparison because the contrast between how the Thessalonians heard and how the Bereans heard teaches us about how we are to hear. So how are we to hear the word of God? After Jesus gave the parable of the sower, that great parable about Jesus being the sower who sows the seed of his word in this world and the different uh, crops that produce, are produced, he then said to that crowd that they needed to be careful how you hear. How can you be careful regarding how you hear? What is our part in the hearing of God's word? How can we prepare ourselves to attend to the word of God and so be like the Bereans and receive the word of God really well? 
Well, here in our text today, we are instructed in how to hear the word in three ways. Three instructions for receiving the word of God. Well, let's begin with the first. How are we to hear? Well, first of all, we are to receive the word with all eagerness. We are to receive the word with all eagerness. Our text begins by telling us about how the brothers in Thessalonica sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Some of the Jews were provoked to jealousy and when, when some came to saving faith. And so those recruited other men, men of the rabble, the text said, to basically begin a riot there in Thessalonica. They incited the city. And that's why Paul and Silas were sent away. And so now coming to Berea, Paul and Silas simply continue with their custom with the word of God. They go as quickly as they can to a synagogue, and there they open the word of God concerning Jesus. And it is at that point then that our text says of the Bereans, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Again, why? Well, because they received the word with all eagerness. They received this preaching from Paul with what the text calls all eagerness. And so here the word of God commends this eager reception to us. And this comparison between the Thessalonians and the Bereans is, is intended to pique our curiosity for further consideration. What does it mean to receive the word with all eagerness? And why is there this contrast between the Bereans and the Thessalonians? Think about that. On paper, these two groups of people believe the exact same things regarding the word of God. And yet here one group receives the word of God with all eagerness while the other did not. So what is going on here and what could possibly account for this difference in hearing? Well, let's just examine for a moment what they both believed about the word of God. Both synagogues, the synagogue in Thessalonica and the synagogue in Berea, both synagogues would have taken the word of God very seriously. Both would have held the word of God in the highest esteem. They both would have turned to texts like Psalm 19 and Psalm 119, and they would have looked at the word of God and they would have said, yes, we believe these things about the word of God. So together, both synagogues would have said, we love God's law because the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Because both synagogues would have agreed with Psalm 19, they would have agreed with its conclusion as well. And Psalm 19 says that because these things are true, the word of God is more to be desired than whole storehouses of the finest gold. But even though these both believed the same things on paper, when it came to the actual preaching and hearing of God's word, one group received it really well while the other did not. One received it with all eagerness, while the other did not. So what does this mean? Well, obviously, it means that it is not sufficient to simply confess the right things about the word of God. 
Both groups were equally orthodox in their confession regarding the word of God. The difference, however, manifested itself in their practice. The difference arose in how they heard. So what does this mean? What does this mean for us? Well, it means that if we want to receive the word of God with all eagerness, we need to seek that, we, that what we believe about the word of God, that it will move from just being in our heads to being very practically applied within our hearts. Listen, it is very important that we believe the right things about the word of God. It is really important that we believe the right things about the preaching of God's word. But it is equally important that those beliefs are driven deep into our hearts so that we don't just believe that the word of God should be received with all eagerness, but so that we actually receive it week to week with this eagerness. So where does that leave us? How do we both believe these things and then apply them to our hearts for the ready reception of God's word? Well, in order to answer those questions, we simply go back to the word of God. Because we need two things. We do need our minds to be informed by the word of God. We need to think rightly about the word of God and the preaching of God's word. We need our minds renewed. But we also, second, we need our hearts formed. We need our hearts formed by the Holy Spirit and the application of those truths to our hearts. And Psalm 119 teaches us both of these things. Psalm 119 is a significant tool in terms of teaching our minds and forming our hearts. How so? Well, to inform our minds, let's just consider a few of the things that God's word says about itself in Psalm 119. The psalm begins by telling us that blessedness is found according to the word of God. Listen to how the psalm begins. It says, blessed are those who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Do you want to know where blessedness is found? It is found in the word of God. The psalm goes on to correlate that blessedness, not just to the word of God, but to the end of the word of God or the purpose of the word of God, which is God himself. It says, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with all their hearts. Third, that psalm then goes on to teach us that God's word guards us against sin. Sin is our ultimate enemy because sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what interrupts our communion with God. And so God's word is this most incredible gift in that it guards and keeps us from that sin. Fourth, God's word, again, according to Psalm 119, it brings great joy and delight to the soul. Psalm 119, verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things in your law. Psalm 119, verse 24 says, Your testimonies are my delight. The word of God testifies about itself, saying that it rejoices the heart. It delights the soul. And then fifth, just one more reminder. God's word is the record of God's steadfast love. God's word is what constantly keeps us informed about God's gracious, loving orientation to us. 
And so Psalm 119, in this way, informs our minds. It renews our minds so that we will think rightly about the Word of God. And those are just some of the glorious things that Psalm 119 has to say about the incredible gift that we have in the Word of God. However, Psalm 119 itself recognizes that information is insufficient. It is not sufficient to simply know these things or acknowledge these things about the Word of God. We definitely need something more than just information. We need that information, but we also need formation. So where does the formation come in? Where does it come from? Well, this too comes straight to us from the Word of God. In Psalm 119, God teaches us how to pray, seeking that by his spirit and by his word, our hearts will be rightly formed for this ready reception of the word of God. We don't have time to go into all of the prayers that we are taught in Psalm 119, so I'm going to highlight just four. The first prayer that we are given there in Psalm 119 is, God, incline my heart to your word. Psalm 119, verse 36, incline my heart to your testimony. That prayer recognizes that naturally, because of our indwelling sin, we are not naturally inclined to the word of God, which means we need that gracious work of God's Holy Spirit within our hearts so that we will be inclined to the word, so that we will be eager to hear the word. This prayer begins with informing our minds as to the great value of God's word. It is indeed more to be desired than stores of finest gold. But we need the Holy Spirit then to apply that truth to our hearts. We need that powerful and gracious formation that comes by the Holy Spirit so that we will live in light of what we know. Now just pause and think about the gracious gift that this prayer is. God knows our frame and he gives us the very words by which we are to come right back to him and seek these things, which means he is eager to answer that prayer. You know that this prayer is according to his will and when you pray it, when you pray it in faith, you know that you will have it. God, graciously incline my heart to your word. Prayer number two, give me insight into an understanding of your word. Psalm 119 verse 27 says, Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous work. This prayer recognizes humbly that apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, we will simply not understand or appreciate all that God's word has to say. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul writes, The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Well, in accordance with the nature of things, God gives us this very prayer in Psalm 119 to go and to beg God to give us insight into an understanding of his holy word. And again, think of what that means. 
God has equipped you. He has given to you this prayer because it glorifies him and because he is eager to answer it. So we can pray, God, graciously give me insight into your word. Prayer number three, shield me from distraction. Psalm 119.37 says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. A prayer recognizes that our lives in this world are flooded with so many things that are ready distractions to turn us from the word of God, which is more valuable than storehouses of finest gold. Each of those distractions pose a threat to our hearing of the word of God. Each of these run the risk of turning us away from that focus upon the life-giving word of God. And so God equips us with that prayer that he is eager to answer, turn my eyes from worthless things. Number four, apply your word to my life. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We need the word of God practically applied to our lives. We need the word of God shining upon our lives in this world. We need the word of God to illuminate our way. And this prayer keeps us cognizant of the fact that we are dependent upon God to graciously give that illumination. Lord God, apply your word to my life. Again, these are the prayers that God has given to us that we might seek that right heart, that heart that has been formed by the Spirit of God for the right reception of the Word of God so that we will receive the Word of God with all eagerness. The Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they readily received the Word of God when it was preached by Paul. And as we can see in that comparison, the difference was a matter of the heart. Both the Thessalonians and the Bereans believed the exact same thing about the word of God. And yet there was a practical difference when it came to how they heard. And that difference was a difference that began in the heart. And that is why God equips us with prayers to prepare the heart. Now, I want to tell you it was a joy to meditate upon this text this week in order to preach it to you because you are a body that I see regularly receiving the word of God with all eagerness. And so we should give thanks and praise to God. This is not natural as we have seen. This is the work of God's grace. But let us continue to seek after it. Let us continue to seek that week in and week out our own hearts personally would be prepared and all of the hearts who gather here. Brothers and sisters, we need to be informed by the word of God regarding what happens here when the word of God is preached. But it is necessary, too, that we are actively depending upon the Lord, that we are seeking him for the formation of those hearts that will be eager receivers of the word. So while we meditate upon what the word of God reveals about the word of God, let us diligently seek this work of his Holy Spirit, knowing that God has given us these prayers because he is eager to answer them. He is eager to give the things that he commands us to pray for. Now, receiving the word of God with all eagerness needs 
some qualification. And our text provides that qualification. Notice how the text itself goes on to describe what that eager reception looks like. It says that the Bereans were more noble because they received the word with all eagerness. And then it goes on and it says, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So as we receive the word with all eagerness, we also need to examine the word with diligence. We need to examine the word with diligence. This phrase says so very much about the Bereans. After all, this man named Paul comes to them to preach the word of God, and we don't know what they knew about the apostle Paul. They may have known that he was a student of Gamaliel. They may have known that he was once a Pharisee. They may have known that he is now a follower of what it was called the way. But they did not know a lot about this man. Either way, they didn't have much to go on in terms of whether or not they could trust this man named Paul who was now preaching to them. It was a custom in the synagogues to have a traveling rabbi open the word of God. And so when we read that the Bereans received the word with all eagerness, examining these things to see if they were so, it shouts a great deal about their orientation to the preaching of God's word. They were eager and engaged to follow the word of God wherever it might lead. They were eager and engaged to embrace anything and everything that was in accord with the word of God. So how did the Bereans examine the word with diligence? Well, first of all, we see that the Bereans examined the scriptures daily. When Paul opened the word of God to them, we can be sure that he did so in his customary pattern. He went to the word of God and explained and proved that the Christ must suffer and rise. And then having gone over many scriptures that prove that very point, he would simply connect the dots and explain to them, this Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the messianic paradigm of suffering and then glory. Well, hearing these things, the Bereans were eager to go themselves to the word of God to see if these things were so. Their hearts were inflamed by the message that Paul preached. And so daily they gathered together around the word of God to go over that ground again and again. They wanted to see it for themselves. They wanted to see if these things were so. Remember, these did not have Bibles like we do. They didn't have individual Bibles. They couldn't do this in their own homes. And so they would gather together at the synagogue now to see if these things were so. Their hearts were burning within them. They were eager because of what they had heard. And so they were going daily to the synagogue to see if these things were so. Which means second, this diligent examination was done together. Theology is a corporate activity, and this corporate examination of the Word of God is very, very beautiful. It underscores the clarity of God's Word. Theologians use the word perspicuity, the perspicuity of Scripture. That word simply means clear. Our uh, confession of faith says, not all things in Scripture are plain in themselves, 
Yet those that are necessary are so clearly taught that they are understood by ordinary means. So when the Bereans hear these things about the word of God, that when they hear Paul say that Jesus is the Messiah, they come together to diligently examine the scriptures to see if these things were so. This is a reflection of what would later happen at the Reformation. The Bible belongs to God's people. And they need to be able to go to the word of God to see these things for themselves. Which means, third, this diligent examination was aimed at confirmation. Again, the Bereans' hearts were inflamed when they heard these things preached. And so they went, hearing this amazing, life-changing news from the Apostle Paul, they went eager to confirm it in the word of God. This means that the Bereans were neither naive on the one hand, they weren't simply believing whatever anyone might preach, but at the same time it also meant that the Bereans were eager and excited about everything that conformed to the word of God. And so when they heard these things expounded from the word of God, they were eager to go and to confirm them. Which means, fourth, their examination was so that they might be conformed to the word of God. The Bereans had a commitment to follow the word of God wherever the word of God might lead them. The Bereans were absolutely convinced that the word of God does indeed revive the soul. It does indeed make the wise simple. It does indeed rejoice the heart. It gives and sustains life. And because of these things, they had an absolute commitment to the word of God. They were ready to follow the word of God wherever it might lead. And so their diligent examination of the word, it was not a suspicious posture that was ready to reject. Instead, as you can see in the text, it was an eager posture ready to receive. The Bereans were unlike the Thessalonians, and they demonstrated that they believed what they confessed in their hearts. Their hearts were cultivated by those prayers so that they had this posture of heart that was seeking from God to be led according to his word. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you again at this point because I see this very posture in the life of this body. I hear regularly of how men and women are gathering together to see that these things are so. There is regular meeting and discussion of God's word in a very encouraging way. And so I want to borrow from the words of the Apostle Paul and simply encourage you to excel all the more. The Bible belongs to you. Examine the scriptures to see if these things are so. Continue that diligent examination of the word. Continue to go to the scriptures to see that these things are so. Well, the Bereans received the word of God with all eagerness. And they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So what happened? Well, that brings us to our third and our final consideration this morning. How are we to hear? Well, we need to believe with courage. We need to believe the word with 
courage. I told you earlier that our text makes two comparisons between the Bereans and the Thessalonians. The text first makes that explicit comparison by highlighting how the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because of how they heard the word. But as we read on in the text, we come now to this point where the text says another contrast. In our text last week, it said that some of the Jews joined Paul and Silas. Some of them believed and joined Paul and Silas. But now here in our text, we read a contrast. Now it says, many of them therefore believed. Now obviously, God is completely sovereign in salvation. And so what we, when we read this difference highlighted by the word of God, we know that this is ultimately due to the sovereign grace of God. And yet, we are also to be encouraged by God's word regarding the ways in which we impact one another by how we hear. When the Bereans received the word with all eagerness, it had a very positive impact upon the Bereans as a whole. But negatively, when the Thessalonians did not receive the word with all eagerness, it too had a negative impact upon them as a whole. Now, obviously, and again, nothing can thwart the sovereign purposes of God. Nothing thwarts the sovereign grace of God. He can work when and how he does work, when and how he wants. But this text is meant to encourage us here regarding how we hear and the place that our corporate response has in terms of encouraging one another in the faith. Notice how God's word connects the way in which the Bereans received the word of God with all eagerness, how they examined the scriptures diligently. It connects that to the belief of many. The text says, many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. The text makes this connection explicit. God's word here highlights how that blessed Berean hearing impacted them as a whole. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means that when you seek and cultivate an eagerness regarding the preaching of God's word, it will have a positive impact upon others. This means that when you prayerfully prepare, prepare your own heart and mind for the preaching of God's word, you are not only going to impact yourself, you are going to positively impact others also. When your mind is renewed regarding the word of God, that will impact how you hear. And when you take these God-given prayers and you apply them to your heart and life, that orientation of your heart is going to be a blessing to others as well. And the same thing is true in terms of how you respond to the word of God. If you receive the word of God with all eagerness, others are going to hear about that word. And when you are gathering with others to examine the word diligently to see if these things are so, you will naturally encourage others regarding the word. You will at the very least be implicitly declaring to everyone around you that you believe these things about the word of God. That you do indeed believe that it is more valuable 
than anything else. So why does God's word now highlight this role of encouragement regarding our belief? Well, it is because of what we read next in the text. The text continues to tell us that those Jews who were jealous back in Thessalonica, they continued in their opposition to the word of God. Notice what the text says. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. What does this mean? Well, it means that believing the glorious gospel message immediately put these Berean believers at odds with the word, with the world. Believing the word of God requires courage. The kind or the amount of courage that is required will differ throughout time. Right now in this world, it requires a different kind of courage here versus other parts of the world. But believing the word of God, like the Bereans, it will always require courage. It will require courage because the Bereans were committed to following the word of God wherever it might lead. They had no preconceived limits in terms of how far or where they would follow the word of God. And because of that commitment, it brought them, in, uh, brought them into this place of being at odds with this world. And this is something that we all need. This is why we need to encourage one another regarding our belief of God's word. The word of God is increasingly unpopular. And the word of God calls us to that commitment of following the word of God wherever it will lead. But to believe the word of God in today's culture, in our present culture, means that in the eyes of the world, you are narrow-minded. It means that you are bigoted. It means that you are regressive. You are out of touch and out of step with the rest of the world. Believing the word of God and following the word of God will require courage. If we simply devote ourselves to the word of God, we will be at odds with the rest of the wider world, which means we need to encourage one another. Which means these ideas of receiving the word with all eagerness, this practice of examining the scriptures to see if these things are so, these are not just good ideas that we may or may not consider. Rather, these are commended to us because we need them. Because this is what it will require of us to believe the word of God with courage. We live in a world right now that has largely rejected the word of God which is why we need what is commended to us here in the text. We need that week in and week out ready reception of the word of God, that eagerness concerning the word of God. And it's why we need to diligently gather together around the word of God to see that these things are so. Again, brothers and sisters, I want to commend you in this. Continue to follow the word of God wherever it will lead. 
continue to believe the word of God with courage and so encourage others. Pray for your heart each week regarding the word, but pray for the hearts of others as well. As well, Pray that as we gather week in and week out, we will continue to receive the word with this eagerness. Pray for minds that are renewed by the truth of God's word and hearts that are inclined to that word accordingly. Pray for insight. Pray for understanding into the word of God. Pray that we together might be kept free from the distractions of this world. And pray that God's word would be practically applied to our lives week in and week out. Continue to examine the word diligently. Continue to uh, see if what you hear from this pulpit conforms or is confirmed by the rest of the word of God. And so be conformed to the word of God. Believe the word of God with courage. Well, let me leave you again with those incredible statements regarding what happens when it comes to the preaching and hearing of God's word. And as we simply hear the word of God read to us right now, let us believe it by faith and take upon our hearts those prayers given to us in the word so that we will be inclined to the word of God in this way, so that we will be kept free from distraction, so that we will have insight and understanding, and so that we will believe these things. Again, Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Galatians 3, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And then finally, 1 Peter 1, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the word. This word is the good news that was preached to you. Brothers and sisters, continue in these things. Excel in them. Receive the word of God with all eagerness. Examine these things. Examine the word diligently. And finally, believe the word with courage. Let's go to God together now and seek these very things in prayer. Our gracious God in heaven, we thank you for your word. And Lord God, we thank you for the way in which your word does delight our hearts. That we do believe and confess these things and we pray that more and more our hearts would come into alignment with what we acknowledge from your word. And so, Lord, we pray that you would continue to incline our hearts to your word. We pray that you would give us insight into an understanding of your word. We pray that you would keep us free from distraction and that you might apply your word powerfully to our hearts. Lord God, will you please encourage us today and cause us to be an encouragement to one another. Cause us to believe these things with courage. For we pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, let's take up the Word of God. Let's turn in our 